I, I don't scare easily, right? Um, I, I just don't get scared easily. Not that I don't get scared at, at certain situations at certain times. I, I just don't scare easily. Um, haunted houses, scary movies, paranormal activity, jumping off cliffs. I, I don't scare easily. I, I'm not scared of those things. And even if I am in a scary situation, for some reason, I can trick my mind to think, hey, you're okay. There's nothing to be scared of. So, if you want to know one thing about me is I don't scare easily. If, I, if I'm with you and we're in a bad situation, you can rely on me. I will not panic. I will not be scared. We'll figure it out. That wasn't true a weekend ago, actually. Um, I was coming back from a birthday lunch um, from Long Island, and I was driving with Steph, my wife, and my cousin. And we're having like an amazing ride. Like we just ate a fantastic meal, it was a good experience. And we're driving in Long Island. I think we're on the Southern State Parkway and there's no traffic and the sky is blue and I love driving. So it's amazing. And like, we're just talking, we're having the time of our lives. Um, and then I get to this point where I have to get off of the highway, I have to exit so I can merge onto another highway. And the, the exit ramp is one of those curved ones, right? Again, I love driving, so I love those curved ones. I'm killing them, just cruising through it. And then we get to maybe about 100 feet before that curve, that ramp ends, and then we have to merge onto the highway. And Steph's like, oh, my God. Like, what's, like, are we on the wrong road? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, we're driving into traffic. And immediately, I start panicking. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, we're... I'm driving at like 40 miles an hour, and I'm, I'm driving on to potentially our death because like she's, oh, for some reason, I got on the wrong ramp and I'm driving on to the other side of the highway. And I see two signs, or the back of two signs, and for some reason, <laughs> I'm like, I see do not enter, do not enter. And I'm like, oh my God, like we're about to die. And then I stop, and this, this happens so quickly, in like five seconds. You know how fast five seconds is? That fast, right? So I'm like, all right. I was on the road. I got off the exit, okay? I, I followed it, and I don't see a do not exit sign, a do not enter sign. There are no cars coming my way. I'm not doing anything wrong. I, I'm on the right exit, and I'm not going into traffic. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we're good. And I reassure myself, and I'm like, no, I checked all the facts. I did everything right. My wife's crazy. Right? <laughs> to be fair, when I first started driving, um, I did almost go into a do not uh, enter ramp and kill us. So she was right to be concerned. But that moment of crisis that I had, right, where I felt like literally we're going to die, I was able to get out of that crisis by stopping, by re-examining what I did, looking at all the steps, and, and seeing that, hey, actually, I'm okay, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. There's no do not enter sign that I'm driving towards. And then for the rest of the ride, it's a beautiful ride, right? We get home safely, obviously I'm still here. So reading through the book of 1 John and a lot of the, 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 the books of the Bible kind of feel like that for me in my walk with Christ. So it's me coasting through you know, Christianity and my faith, and then I'll read something like the passage that we're gonna go through today and I'm like, oh, I have like a crisis. I was like, oh my God, am I in the faith? Am, am I believing 
what's actually true. And then, I'm, and I love books like this because it, it, it brings me through that same journey where I have to stop, I have to reevaluate, I have to examine myself, look at the facts, assure myself that, okay, here are the facts. If I need to stop, if I need to readjust what I'm doing, repent of whatever sin and, and keep going, great. Or if I am, you know, I'm doing what the word tells me to do, I'm encouraged to continue. And that is the journey that we are going to go into as we go into this next part of the book of 1 John. What we need to know is that John loves this church. John is invested in his church. And John loves us and is invested in us. His goal and his desire is to see these people grow in their faith. It's the same desire for us, right? He, he calls us to examine ourselves to see if we are in the truth. And if we're not, we need to self-correct. Or if we are, he's, he's encouraging us to continue in that truth. So we're, it's going to be a bumpy ride today. I, I'm going to be honest, prepping the sermon, I went through like a roller coaster of emotions, right? I was like high, then really low, then high, then low, then high, then low. So that's what's going to happen today as we go through this passage. So I just want you to brace yourself. It's going to be a good ride. So let's jump into the passage and the scripture that we're going through today. John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 to 24. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Whatever we ask him, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and, does, and do what pleases him. Public school education, sorry. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So I'm just going to give a little like a little bit of context into this conversation because we're literally in the middle of a conversation that John is having to the church about love. Last, two weeks ago when Justin preached, right, we were talking about essentially what it means to love one another. Right? And the, the example that John gives is the ultimate example, and that's Christ laying his, his life down for us. John encourages the church to be generous in a very practical way, he's, he's talking about, all right, the folks in your church who have material needs and responding to those needs generously. So that's, that's where we're picking up the conversation. So like I said, right, John loves the church and he wants them to be assured in the faith and he wants that for us. He does that by making us go through this, these series of like self-reflections. So the, the, first, the first way we see that, right, is in verse 19. But we shall know that we are of the truth and we share our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, what does this mean? Whenever our heart condemns us. What this means is that if you're presented with the opportunity to be generous to someone, like you know someone's in need, you have the means to provide that, fulfill that need. If your heart objects to that, your heart is condemning you. If you have even the slightest bit of unwillingness to meet that need, your heart is condemning you. And John calls us 
to fight that objection. And I'll be honest, being generous is not easy, right? There are a lot of situations for some of us and pressures that would tell us, object to that. Don't be generous. Be selfish. Do it for yourself. One of the, one of the first ways this manifests, and this is for some of us, I know this is definitely true for me, right? You have a feeling that you don't have enough, right? There's, there's always, you're like you grew up, maybe you grew up in a struggle. Uh, I grew up in a house with nine people. It was a two-bedroom household, so my room was my bed, right? I didn't have my own room, right? When, when like, my folks bought food, yeah, we, you know, we never starved or anything like that, but if you didn't get to the food first, you're probably not going to eat as much as you want, or you're not going to get the best piece of food, or maybe you'll run out of peanut butter and now you have to eat bread with mayonnaise, right? There's always, <laughs> we have to, like, for me, and turn is like, man, I have to look up for myself because I need to make sure I'm taking care of my needs. And if you're like me, that objection to, to be generous to others, it's, it's valid, right? Because you got to make sure you have enough for yourself. Some of us, we are influenced by the constant pressure from society to consume. Consume, consume, consume. Get more, 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 more. I was looking for something in the closet this week, and it, I was like going through a bunch of coats and hoodies, and I was just getting mad because I couldn't find what I was looking for. And when I stepped back, I was like, why, why do you have 17 coats, right? Why do you have four hoodies? Like, why do you feel the I know we live in New York. We have four seasons. So typically, we have more clothes than other people. But do, we, do I really need four hoodies? Do you really need the, the same pair of Jordans that you bought five years ago? Do you need that extra car, right? Do, do you need more? Some of us, we get influenced by society in this way, right? We have to uphold a certain status. Like, I can't be generous to you because I need my money to actually say it's a go on vacation and to flex on Instagram to show people that I, I got it, right? I'm doing well. Or, hey, I'm at this place for brunch and I got to just make sure that I look good. I, I can't look, I can't be out here looking weak, right? I need to look good. So, no, I cannot be generous. I actually have to, I have to withhold my resources from you because I just need to look good. And there's millions of other objections or reasons for our objections. And at the end of the day, none of them are valid. None of them are valid. We have to fight every inkling in us that would cause us to say, you know what? I can't help you with this. I can't give you this, this resource of mine. I can't give you my time. I can't give you my money. I can't give you my energy. I just can't do it because I need it or I need more, or I need to look good. We have to fight that. And as human beings, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. And I understand that. John understands that as well. So what he tells us to do, this is the encouragement. Again, we're going to go through roller coaster, right? He says, you want to fight that, object, that, that unwillingness in your heart, that selfishness in your heart to be generous. Here's how you do it. Look to God. Right? God is the most generous person being ever. And this is what the verse means when he says, he is greater than our hearts. Uh, growing up, I loved like award shows where people were like, yeah, you know, I want to thank God for this award. You know, was it for him? I wouldn't have won the championship or I wouldn't have won album of the year. So, you know, God's good, right? We hear that a bunch of different ways, right? 
yo, I just got this, I just got this job. You know, God's good. Just passed my license, just got a new job, just got a promotion, just got married. Yo, I'm blessed and highly favored. Right? We look at that and we say, this is how we measure God's goodness. When in reality, if we look at the cross of Christ, we'll see that comparatively, God giving you a job and what he's done on the cross for us is like a drop in the ocean. The, generous, the generosity of God is best seen in Christ coming from heaven in all of his richness, coming down to save us. And it's not like we deserve it, right? We, we're ungrateful a lot of times. We're sinful. We're entitled. We're stubborn. But God, in his gracious love, left everything he had in heaven and came down to save us. There's a better way to, to let that relate, right? Think about the person that you, you hate the most, right? And Justin did this last, last, uh, last, last sermon. Uh, I want to... I want to take it a little bit further. I like pushing buttons, right? Think about the person you hate the most. For some people, that's going to be Governor Cuomo, right? You cannot tell me I have to wear a mask to enter a restaurant, a gym, to do my daily life. You are infringing on my rights. Other side of that coin. How dare you? How dare you not get this vaccine? You are putting my life in danger. You have no respect. Just do it, right? For some of you, that's the worst person in the world to you. Now imagine giving everything you have. Think about all of your possessions. Think about your family. Think about everything you love. Think about all of that. Would you give it up for Governor Cuomo? For that very annoying person on your timeline on Facebook or Instagram? Would you do that? If you told me yes, you'd be a liar. Because right, I wouldn't do it. I'll see you later. Right? That's God. God is him coming to us in our worst place, undeserving, ungrateful, giving, his, giving us his best. So that's how we fight that objection in our hearts to say, you know what? I can't give this, this resource of mine to you. I can't give my energy. I can't give this to you. Right? We fight that by looking at Christ and looking out. He gave his life. He gave all that he had for our benefit. That's how we do it. Did I, did I offend anyone so far? Good. There's more. There's more. I'll, I'll catch you later. I'll catch you later. I promise. All right. So, again, roller coaster ride. Now we have some encouragement from John because that's what he does. He goes from, you know, causing, causing us to self-examine ourselves and then goes into encouraging us. When we respond in generosity, this is a, a, a sign that we are in the truth. There's a lot of benefits that goes with that. One of them is praying, right? Praying to God is a lot different when you're abiding in him, when you know him, when you do what pleases him, because you pray with confidence. The, the best example of this I've seen in scripture there are a bunch, but Peter in Acts chapter 4, right? Give you some background. Peter just, you know, got let go from prison, and he was get, let go with a warning, right? If you keep preaching the gospel, we're going to get you, we're going to lock you up, and, you know, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. What Peter does is amazing. 
He's gathering with the people. And he starts his prayer like this. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then he goes on to pray. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to, to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I would not pray that prayer. My prayer would be like, God, please protect my life, protect my family. Use someone else to go speak to these people. I'll see you in heaven in like 60 years. All right? That's, that's not someone who knows God, who abides in God, who knows his commandments, who knows what God cares about. Peter is an, it's an incredible example of someone who does. And that causes him to go to God and say, you know what? This is who you are. This is what you call me to do. And this is what you're going to give me to do that. I had this experience in college. This was incredible. So I was a part of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. That's where I met Justin, Stephanie, right? Hi, I see you. Um, so we have this annual retreat. It's called Basileia, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I'm, an, I'm not even in school anymore, and I would still go, right? So it's five days um, in, in the Catskills, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing. And... It's also a leadership retreat. So I was like, man, I want to go to this retreat, but it costs, it costs mad money, mad money. Um, and at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm only making enough to like, take care of myself, take care of my bills, and I, I don't have the extra money to pay for this. Right? I'm a, again, broke college kid. And you know, I was talking with the staff worker, Sophia. She was like, hey, is there anything you can do to like, come to this trip? Because we would really like to have you here. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'll pray about it. And true enough, I actually did. It was a Saturday afternoon, and I'm praying. And I was like, God, you know, if you could, you know, do me a favor, you know, just throw some money my way so I could uh, go to this trip. I don't want to bug you and stuff, but if you're not too busy, yeah, please, thanks. Um, and then something shifted while I was praying. For some reason, I got like this image of God being who he is, who he actually is, right? The owner of all things creator of the heavens and the earth. And I was like, you know what? No. I was like, God, you're going to provide me all the means I need to go on this trip. You're going to make a way somehow. You're going to give me more than what I need, not even what I need. But you're going to do that because I want to grow. I want to be a leader. I want to get to know you. So make this happen, respectfully. And <laughs> I'm not crazy, you know what I mean? Um, so I pray that. And I have like three weeks to like pretty much fundraise this money. I talked to my mom, I talked to a couple of people in my life, and then out of nowhere, like, my sister came into my room and was like, hey, here's some money for your trip. I have a friend of mine from my church, like, oh, I heard you were going on a trip, here. And the, we were able to fundraise money through scholarship so that I can go on a trip. And, and then, like, the day before I have to go, right, I have to bring my money for the trip, and I'm just counting it. I was like, all right, I need to make sure I pay when I get to Basileia. And I counted exactly double the amount I needed to go on this trip. And I'm like, wow, like, I'm like, God, you really showed up. Like, you really heard my desire to, you know, get closer to you, to, to serve the people of this campus, and you more than provided what I needed. That's praying with confidence. And that's how we can approach God when we are in the truth, because we know him. Right? We obey his commandments, and we do what pleases him. All right, we're going down again. In a good way, in a good way. So here's John's 
this is where John's exhortation to the church comes to a head. All right, this is the, if you look at it, this is like the ultimate test to see if you're in the truth or not. This is in verses 22 and 23. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know he abides in us, by the spirit whom he's given us. We know that we are in the truth when we believe in Jesus and we obey his commandments. Right? And Jesus says this, right? This is how you show that you love Jesus. Jesus says this in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this is the main commandment of Christ, right? John touches on this in, in, this, in this chapter. We find this in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the point where we need to look at ourselves. We need to look at our lives, and we need to ask ourselves the question, do I believe in the Son? Do I obey his commandments? Do I believe in his word? Do I do what pleases him? We cannot say that we abide in Christ if we don't believe in him, if we don't obey his commandments. This is, this is not like a, uh, up for debate, right? This is very black and white. If it's not real, right? The love for God is not real if we're not obeying his commandments. If we can just pick and choose and say, I'll, I'll do this one, but maybe I'll do that one. God, I love you. That's not real love. That's not real love for God. If you can look at your brother who is in need and say, someone else will fill the need. That's not real love. As a New Yorker, one of the worst things someone can say to you or say about you, it's like, you're not about that life. You're not about that life, right? I'm sure you have that friend who, you know, is telling you stories like, yeah, you know, I was in a situation and, you know, I had to do what I had to do. Took care of it. And in your head, you're like, yeah, you're not about that life, right? Your actions definitely don't match up with your words, right? That's not who you are. As Christians, we can't say, God, I love you. Jesus, I believe in you, and not obey his commandments, not do what pleases him. It just doesn't add up. At that point, what we're doing is we're creating an idea of God. We're creating a Jesus that we can worship that, that works for us. That is not the actual Jesus shown in the word. And John wants to get at that. John loves this church. John loves us. He doesn't want us to continue in a way that says we, we believe in Jesus. We love Jesus, but we don't, we don't obey his commandments. It doesn't work. And I, I know culture tells us, create your truth. Whatever works for you, works for you. It doesn't work that way with God. If you don't love him, it's clear because you don't obey him. You don't do what pleases him. This is very sobering. 
I, I'm sure it's hard to hear. It's harder to preach, honestly. Because it's easier to soft pedal and say, yo, may, maybe it's okay. That's all right. We're all growing. No, that's not the loving thing to do. The loving thing to, for John to do is tell us the truth. And the truth is, our words need to match up with our actions. The reality is, one day, we will stand before God, and, and we'll be like, hey, God, I, I went to church. You know, I, I gave tithes and offering here and there. I set up the chairs. I even played in the, in the worship band. Or God, you know, I was really nice to people. I was a good person. We're good. And Jesus will say, depart from me, for I did not know you. That, that's, that's when I have these moments of crisis because I'll, I'll read through these books and I was like, oh my God, is that going to happen to me one day? And I have to stop. I have to look at myself and I have to be honest. I have to say, you know what? I need to repent of this sin. I'm worshiping a God that I've created. I'm not obeying his word. I'm not obeying his commandments. I'm not doing what pleases him. And that's, that's the invitation for us today. Right? God, John is not looking for you to you know, be in despair and you know, go into crisis. He wants us to be in the truth. So he is going to lovingly call us to look at ourselves and to ask ourselves, look at yourself. Like, are you in the truth or not? John's desire, his goal, and God's goal for us today is to actually be filled with hope, be filled with encouragement. Because the truth is God wants to abide with us. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, this is the God of the universe, right? And, like, you're you. I mean, you're cool and all, but you're not that amazing. But God wants to dwell with you. Ill-deserving, ungrateful sinners like us. That's the good news. And whatever adjustments we need to make, John is calling us to do that. And he's doing it through this practical example. So for those of us who, if we can look at ourselves and say, you know what, I, I actually don't believe in Jesus. And that's very clear because you know you don't obey his commandments. You know you don't do what he pleases. The good news is that God wants to abide with you. The good news is that you can look towards his generosity and know that he wants to give you everything, right? Romans 8, this is one of my favorite passages in, in the entire Bible. Romans 8, verse 31 to 32, says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also graciously give us all things? You know what's better than a job promotion? You know what's better than finally getting a spouse? You know what's better than getting a house? You know what's better than getting a million likes? God. God giving you God. That's the best thing he could do. And of course, that's... That was a liar. God giving you God is the best thing that he could do for you. 
And if you don't believe in him, he wants to give you the best gift ever, himself. Himself. If you do believe, but you fail to love your neighbor, because it, it, there's a very clear test, right? The call is to repent of your selfishness. Turn away from that. Look to the generosity of God. Look at how in your lowly state, in your sin, in your shame, in your unrighteousness, he came to you and gave everything so that you can have everything in him. There are very practical ways that we can obey this commandment to love one another, especially in this church, right? We have folks who have babies, right, and have start new families, and we do meal trains for them. There's always something on the app, right? There's giving to the benevolence fund that we have. There's giving up of your time and energy. Pe people are always moving, and you'll always find that out on the app. So there are real ways that we can actually obey this. So what I want to do as, as we invite the worship team back up is invite us to reflect. Understand John's heart. John's heart is that you abide in Jesus. And there's only one way you can do that. There's only one true way we can do that. So if we believe in the Son, if we obey his commandments. There will be people on the side ready to pray if you need prayer of any sort. But before we rush off to our, our Sundays or whatever we, else we have planned, the invitation is here. And it's one I think we should take seriously. God wants to give us life. God wants to abide with us and us in him because it's the best thing. It's the best thing he could do for you. Pray with me. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God, thank you that you bruise us. Sometimes you offend us, you get in our ways because you want to get our attention. God, you want us to live in truth, in your truth. God, you want to give us the gift of yourself. God, help us. Give us humility in our hearts to admit where we are, God, to understand where we need to self-correct, where we need to submit where we need to hope in you and trust in your encouragement, in your word. God, thank you that you love us. You don't just say that, you showed it to us, God. And you've shown it in your cross. So as we worship, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that we would obey you and love you. In Jesus' name.